We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Colm Kelly here, the executive producer of the Road of His Radio Podcast Network and co-host of the Road of His Overtime Podcast, along with the phenomenal Sean Siegel. The wait is over, the NFL season is here, and there's no better time than the present to sign up for a Road of His NFL Pass. You'll get access to all of our content, all of our tools, and everything you need to help you for that in-season success. As a loyal podcast listener, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a Road of His NFL Pass just by adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. Let's go get those championships. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host, Stéphane LeCoe. You can find me on Twitter at Stéphane LeCoe. But more importantly, I am joined by the one, the only, the Travis May. You can find him on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. He's got lots of great content coming out. You can see by the name of this episode, we're talking about the combine and Travis, you have been busy, busy, busy <laughs> writing articles on that. How how are those fingers? How's that carpal tunnel syndrome going? Uh, it's it's going okay. Um, and it's funny, like I, as a new dad, I've I've been multitasking, and sometimes I'll I'll build out like an outline using voice to text on the notes app <laughs> while <laughs> also feeding my son and getting yeah. him his medicine because he's sick right now. So it's uh. you know you, you just learn and and and. And obviously I'm sick right now. So it's just new dad life. You don't sleep much. You're, you're sick a lot. Uh, your voice is all jacked up. And, and of course it's in that very moment that you have like a half a dozen guest spots and your own podcast to sort through right around NFL combine uh, season. Yeah. So yeah, it's perfect yeah. timing, but it's a lot of fun. That all tracks, man. That all tracks. Um, that's kind of what happens. I, uh, I surprised you. We're not doing this on over like video or anything, but for all the guests, I am rocking my uh, Broncos hat. Uh, everyone probably remembers that I'm a Seattle Seahawks fan, former Seattle Seahawks fan. Um, <laughs> After today. turns out, I was just turns out I was just a Russell Wilson fan, man. Um, I mean, everyone gives me so much crap because I have so many random teams that I like, and it's all geographically based because I've moved so much and I didn't grow up anywhere. 
Um, well, I didn't grow up anywhere with a football team. So um, when I moved to Seattle, huge Seahawks fan because of Russell Wilson. So the organization in general is frustrating. I don't like the style of play. I don't think they're very good Like when it comes to like putting a team together. So I've hated being a Seahawks fan. I love the Seahawks, hated being a Seahawks fan. And like there's a thing around Seahawks Twitter where we're just kind of like we're all masochists and we just kind of like get into little huddles and cry together and get frustrated. Uh, ben Baldwin's a great follow, by the way. Uh, he, he doesn't get too into the weeds with with the uh, Hawks anymore, but he used to. Anyway, um, so yeah, when I saw the news today, man, I was I was very excited. So I'm all in with the Broncos, me and Russ, baby. There we go. And of course, we are talking about Russell Wilson getting moved for a King's ransom from the Seattle Seahawks to the Denver Broncos. Yeah, I think, I mean, honestly, you given where it was a he good... is now and given what what trade value is typically pulled these days uh, with, with picks and players and all those pieces, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's so many different moving pieces in that deal uh, that I think it's, it is quite a bit to move mm. uh, death players in the way that they did. Uh, and get multiple picks out of the deal uh, from a quarterback who is not, you know, super young. I mean, I think Russ is going to be around for a long time still. But Yeah, he's 33. It's just, but it's just the NFL is weird in terms of how they actually value their draft picks at this point, uh, especially if you're less neat because F them picks, right? I mean, that, that's, the, that's the brand for him. So uh, it's just weird. The league just doesn't care at all um, when it comes to valuing uh, draft picks very highly, I guess. Uh, or players, rather, um, for their draft picks. So, like, Russell Wilson, we would think he should be worth, like, you know, several firsts and all this other stuff, and that's fair. Um, but it's funny, like, the veterans that get moved all the time, it's like, oh, it's this starter got moved for a fourth-round pick. Like, right, how does right. that make any sense? Um, and that's what I mean. So I, I almost made it sound like it was the reverse. But it's it's really just odd. So it, I think it is quite a bit of value, uh, even if it is a quarterback. They're, they're going into kind of full rebuild mode. Uh, they just shed Bobby himself. I mean, how yeah, long has he uh, been with? Bobby Wagner, man, uh, he was he was part of that epic draft that brought in, like, uh, I think that was the same as the Richard Sherman draft that really yeah, years set, ago. The Seahawks, set the Seahawks up with, like, Obviously, he's a linebacker, so he wasn't part of Legion of Boom, but he like a was ago. a part of that defense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, now, I mean, um, if I'm not mistaken, he's the last member of that Super Bowl defense mm-hmm. um, yep. to to take off now. So um, that's pretty pretty interesting. Um, I saw a really funny tweet, and it was uh, Russell Wilson is officially the first Colorado Rocky to ever return to Denver. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Yeah, that was pretty hilarious. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so that was some some big news today. I think maybe we we, we should talk a little bit about the ramifications. But beyond that, uh, we have um, Aaron Rodgers is staying put in Green Bay. And then they also franchise uh, tagged Devontae Adams and then Chris Godwin, of course, in Tampa Bay. But we've got the return of Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams to Green Bay. So all those Jordan Love shares that you have are, um, you know, that's a breaking heart emoji right there. Yeah. I, I tried to wrap in the heart with the love. Um, it was yeah, no, I mean, neither of us are big Aaron Rodgers fans at this point. Like, I, I don't really have a reason to be uh, as a Titans fan. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. But I, for, for fantasy football, for those two, that connection, Devontae Adams, you know, not being a part 
from uh, the quarterback that has really made his career. And, you know, and, and, and really Aaron Rodgers' favorite receiver for forever too. So, I mean, that that's good for them. And I think it's good for the health of the entire offense overall uh, because nobody wants to see Jordan Love. I'm sorry if you're a Jordan Love no. fan. He's just not good and never really was. He had one really efficient season and a year where they were kind of stacked around him. Um, probably the best set of skill players that the program had, had ever had at Utah State. But that's another conversation. But seriously, Javante Williams, uh, I think that's a mm. huge, huge win for him. Remaining skill players, uh, everyone on the team <laughs> for the Broncos, uh, I think this is an immediate boost for them. Uh, Javante Williams, though, is just kind of funny because – I mean, I loved him coming in. He was my running back three in the class for a very, very, very long time. Um, you know, I had him in college Canton leagues, a couple of Debbie spots. And so I'm, I was glad I did because his price got so impossibly high and irrationally high, uh, as it, it right. al is always the case with anyone uh, that uh, comes out of nowhere and everyone just attaches their, their name to him. And I don't know, it's just funny. The, the community overacts, overreacts and overvalues players and saying, Oh, I did. I've had him above Travis Etienne, which right now, last season looked brilliant, by the way. But yeah, that's <laughs> only because of injury. Yeah. But anyway, it, it, his, his price is already probably absurd, but I would at least, um, I don't know, be willing to buy high, honestly, right now, uh, which is odd. I don't typically advocate for that, but I think he could absolutely smash. And his, his ceiling could finally go through uh, the, the roof and just blow blow up this year. Um, yeah. Which is what we wanted to happen a year ago, but let's be honest. I mean, Melvin Gordon's been the top five to ten back in the league for six years, seven years. Yeah. You know, so it's I mean, uh, he's very underrated and, and has been kind of tossed aside because he was never like a running back one overall. But yeah. incredible play. I think he's officially still on contract for this upcoming year. But I'm not. I'm. I'm not. I, I believe he's, he's actually an unrestricted free agent. Oh, okay. Um, but he could still return. So. Well, he. I think he played at Wisconsin with Russ. Yeah. So that would be. Funny. That, I don't know if funny. that matters. I yeah. don't know if that matters. Does it matter? I don't know. Probably um, not. But. You know who I'm excited for with like Noah Fant taking off to Seattle. Um, Albert O. Man, mm -hmm. I, I think he. I mean, we've seen Russ, what he he did with Will Disley um, a couple of years back. And then last year, it was a combination. I think Gerald Everett disappointed. But, I mean, he I think he dropped three touchdowns. I think I just watched him drop another one right now. Um, yeah. So, like, someone like Albert O, who we know has field-stretching ability, great speed and size and hands, I think he could be a real threat. And then, of course, I mean, I've seen some pieces already. I, I know we have one up on the site about Cortland Sutton. Um, I mean, I think he could really slide into that uh, Tyler Lockett role uh, uh, pretty nicely, that that deep threat. Uh, so so it'll be fun. I mean, I, I live here in Denver. I'm looking at season tickets. Um, I'm not going to be able to afford them, so I'll get like a mm -hmm. four pack or something. But there you go. I will be going to some games and it's going to be it's going to be super fun and super exposed and, to Albert Okoy Bonham uh, this year. Apparently. Yeah, thank you. I just no, can't do it. Can't, can't even you just try. call him awkward, uh, man. Yeah. yeah. What but, are your thoughts on what Seattle does here? Like we're talking, let's transition to the combine stuff a little bit. Let's talk about some incoming rookies. Uh, obviously Seattle gets um, the one, the only drew Locke. I think the real reason he was included in the trade is so that Russell didn't have to pay him for the number three. Uh, Cause there's no <laughs> other reason why he would yeah. be wanted. Um, but uh, yeah, so drew Locke is headed to Seattle. So I would think that that's not what they're hoping their long-term answer is. Do you think they, with this ninth pick, um, I mean, it's not official. I don't 
think that it's this year's pick, but it's this year's pick, um, not first. Do you think that they will go and get a tight end? And the irony is, by the way, is they also should have had the 10th pick, overall pick, but they traded it for Jamal Adams. Whoops. Yeah, whoops. Yeah. Um, anyway. Whoops there, yeah. But, um, no, I think they're going to grab a quarterback there. I think it, it's looking like Malik Willis right now. Uh, Maybe a Sam you know, Howell. Very, Do you think he'll fall there? Uh, I think Sam Howell will, will fall way below that point, given how he's currently being perceived by many for no good reason. But, um, yeah, I think Malik Willis could go in that spot. Uh, or they could even just continue to add picks and trade into the 2023 class and just really hope for Bryce or Stroud um, if, if they're playing the long game. So I think that's a really interesting point. Uh, Snyder, I mean, again, I'm a Seattle crazy person. I've talked to a bunch of the beat reporters, and uh, I'm friends with some of the radio guys there. Uh, if there's one thing Seattle loves to do, like if you look at the history of the draft, they trade back. They do. They and love so, to acquire picks. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting take. Uh, it wouldn't, and I think Seattle fans would be livid, but mm-hmm. I think it would actually be the right choice, yeah, which means they won't. They'll trade up and, and take. Like, <laughs> and they a, might a, have to in. if they want to get Malik <laughs> Willis. And this, and that's a perfect segue, I think, into the combine conversation yeah. today because Malik Willis, we would have loved to see just how fast Malik Willis was. And uh, I have uh, some good sources who know um, Malik Willis and who he's working, who he's been working out with and getting timed for things. Uh, and they were adamant that Malik Willis was a sub four, four kind of guy. And I just wanted to throw all of the BS flags everywhere because mm-hmm. I know that I, I know that he's fast, but like there's never been a, a sub four, four uh, quarterback that ran at the combine before like that, that maybe how they were timing it this year but mm. i'm sorry yeah. like that's just if he, if he was really that fast okay run it um right and and if he was that fast i think he would have run it because then he would have been in that top overall player discussion not late top yeah. 10 yeah and, round, first round and, and i get it. it's like well you know maybe he's thinking even if i run a four four five that doesn't even necessarily help my stock. And if I pull something, blah, blah, blah. You know, I don't know. Sure. There's, there's all, always some excuse not to run, but it would have been great to see uh, him do it. But we, realistically, we, we didn't have to have him prove that he's a dual threat. You know, I mean, when you post like almost 40% of your team's rushing yards in a season, uh, I think, I think you got, you got the dual threat thing down pretty, pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And he impressed in all the other areas, you know, um, he, got a lot of hype out of the combine and yeah, like we said, he's now in that top half of the first round conversation. Do you think that's too high for Malik Willis? I don't. Uh, I think throughout this entire process, he's been, I think I had him quarterback three, maybe back in, I don't know, November when I was doing my top 100 series initially. And then they did the re-release in December and all that. Um, And so I think even, even then I knew that that was the upside that we were going to shoot for, in fantasy football, regardless of the fact that his profile uh, was spottier than some of his fellow quarterback classmates. Right. But, you know, when you really adjust for things within the scheme of Liberty and what they asked him to do, he, he, even analytically speaking, he was actually uh, above average from a pass efficiency standpoint. Um, He actually was above the 80th percentile in terms of pass efficiency, even with all of the crazy picks um, and so I, I think 
and and just for those curious how I, I arrived at that conclusion, um, I'm a super nerd and I build quarterback production <laughs> models. You don't say. <laughs> and I adjust for things like average depth of target, play action percentage, jet motion percentage, um, and create uh, completion percentage over expe- over expected models, adjusted yards per pass attempt over expected models. I have one that combines both, and then you know attempts to predict draft capital. And in those, and every every single model, like if you adjust for basic schematic variables that boost efficiency for some quarterbacks, Malik looks good. So uh, he's good enough to be drafted, especially when you mix in the rushing upside. And so, yes, that's exactly where he belongs. He has the highest ceiling, uh, as as many people will attest to all this draft season in this class at the position. Yeah. Uh, one last thing, and we're spending a lot of time on him, um, but. Um, I think what I'm learning from this process between Trey Lance and um, Malik Willis, if you are drafting in C2C or Debbie leagues at the quarterback position, this is the type of player you want to look for because they just get helium. Um, it's that high market, sh- that high rush yard market share um, and being able to put up touchdowns really is what it comes down to a lot of times. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I'm going to be focusing in and then you better believe this time of year, I'm going to try to trade them for something else uh, because his drafts, like his stock is not getting any higher than it is right now. Maybe after Absolutely. draft night, but. Yep. And I, I have three copies of Malik Willis already. One, I actually had to pay a decent amount for an auction. Another, I, I early college to get and pick just because obviously he was, he was going to smash. And uh, one league, I actually got him for $1 the year before oh he went God. off for liberty. So yeah. that worked out. Um, but yeah, the, just knowing a player's profile and knowing that they're going to be that dual threat um, and a uh, pass-happy kind of scheme can be a good kind of dart throw, even when they're You're going to look to trade him or are you holding on? I'm actually holding on because I think he's going to immediately smash wherever he goes. And I'm, okay. uh, I'm down to actually – you know, just cash in on those points, points right away. Um, and a couple of spots, like I've been waiting to actually see it come to fruition. So I'm actually going to enjoy it, <laughs> but right. you know, especially getting for yeah. a dollar. It's not like you invested that heavily. It's a nice, it's already a nice return on investment, but let's move yeah. on. Um, Desmond Ritter. He had a nice time. Um, what do you think this means for him? I initially thought maybe uh, a second round type quarterback, um, what do you what do you think what do you think happens here? You know, I, I think at this point Desmond Ritter probably sneaks into the back end of day one. Uh, we're already seeing with the trades uh, that teams are making, they're maneuvering to get their quarterback, and there are several teams that need one. Whether it's the Seahawks, whether it's the the Steelers, the Saints, the the formerly known as the Redskins, now the Commanders. Uh, you know, whatever it is, there are several. We never teams. discussed that. Yeah, I know. I just, I just don't care to. We don't have time for it. <laughs> no, we don't have time for it. At all. Like, I just I'm, care zero about the Washington yeah. freaking commanders. Like, that's a lame name, <laughs> and I just don't care. But anyway, right. well, sorry if, sorry for the five listeners that are commanders fans. Um, yes. They're probably the same ones that made up the chant, that, that lame chant. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. But Desmond Ritter, I, I think from a uh, profile standpoint, improved year over year. And we talked about this a couple times on the, on the podcast. Uh, he was imperfect when he first got to Cincinnati, but he had uh, three years over the 80th percentile in pass efficiency and four seasons over the 14% rushing yard market share uh, and improved uh, in his deep passing, improved in decision-making 
and just slowly but surely progressed every every single year and led Cincinnati to the the, the college football playoff. That's unreal. The first group of five conference team uh, to, to make it that far. And uh, so really just pumped that he ran the way that he did. And they actually made this comparison, I believe, on the live combine coverage, some after. But they were you know actually comparing him physically uh, to Marcus Mariota because they actually had similar times, uh, similar stature. Um, even even come out of out of you know systems that may not necessarily automatically translate to the pros. You know, lots of different parallels. But I think he is a much more polished, deep passer than Mariota ever was. And so uh, I wouldn't have said that. You know, even even twelve months ago. But um, the progress that he showed, I think he deserves that pick twenty four to thirty two range. Uh, somebody moving up into that spot. Uh, you know, to, to get their guy, I could see that that kind of outcome playing out for him and him being the fifth quarterback off the board. Yeah. Um, okay, we'll get into draft talk in another episode. We yeah, don't let's that do it. Day. But seriously, four, four five, two, two, that helped him a ton. Um, yeah, I, I want to get into that. I want to ask you a bunch of questions about that. But tonight is not the night for that. So I'm going to show a little restraint for and once in my combine. life, and and we're going to talk about our favorite quarterback of all time, <laughs> the pit legend, Kenny Pickett. Yep, the Andy Dalton of college football until last year. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, that's that's going to stick for sure. But Kenny Pickett, I mean, the dude has tinier hands than I did when I was in high school, like early high school. And so <laughs> it's just really funny uh, that he's got these tiny hands and he has – to you know, throw a, a football like, and a slightly bigger ball now than he was throwing in, in college, and uh, you know he's got the two gloves thing going on, and I just don't, I don't, I I want to care a little bit, but I don't really care, you know, like J- Joe Burrow had nine inch hands, and Here, here's the question for you: barely smaller than that, like man, you don't care. Do you think GMs and scouts I think they do? I think they do. do you think they care? And I think does the NFL cares about a long drop? list of things that don't matter, but they think matter. Right. And um, they don't care about the things that actually do matter near enough. Yeah. And so I think that he will probably drop into, you know, that late teens dis- discussion and go to one of the teams in that range. You know, like the, like the Saints are sitting there right at pick 18. I feel like I feel like he is the next Saints quarterback. Like, yeah, I that could happen. Like it's going to happen. Yeah. I'd put money on it. I will. Hey, I'm going to put some money on that. Yeah, and he actually ran. I don't know where to find that, but he actually ran okay. Like he ran around uh, like a four seven, which is is not terrible for for quarterbacks. You're not going to burn anybody, uh, but that that's about what I expected. I mean, given you know he you, posted like you know around fifteen percent rushing yard market share a couple times for Pitt, yeah. so not not too bad. If you take Drew Brees' athleticism and Taysom Hill's quarterback accuracy, I mean, don't you have Kenny Pickett? <laughs> That was really uh, somewhere mean. somewhere in between <laughs> there, was, yeah, maybe. But, that was really mean. Yeah, oh. Pickett though. I mean, it, it was kind of the perfect storm. Like he he had Jordan Addison like coming up and developing into a first round wide receiver, and he had an offensive coordinator that is now yeah. one of the hottest names in the game. Um, yep. So that that helped him a lot. Um, he went from perfectly average and not really scoring many touchdowns to throwing forty two of them in one year. So bravo uh, if he survives the. Uh, hands worry. I think he's still going to be a first round pick easy, um, right. but it's probably just going to be later in the first round. 
Yeah, later than he would have liked, I'm sure. Yes. Um, let's get into the position that, you know, people care the most about when it comes to uh, fantasy football, and that's our running back position. And uh, you had an article that you rec- recently published. Uh, I think it came out two days ago. Um, it's kind of like your, your three winners and three, uh, three winners, three sleepers, um, and then a couple of losers. And uh, I would lo- I'd love just to hear your thoughts on some of your favorite guys. I think everyone was uh, I, I know myself uh, I felt vindicated because I feel like uh, I've been on Brees Hall and even though it felt like things started off slow this year and it felt like he didn't have a good year when he actually looked at it he actually did have a good year but people were still kind of souring on him and now he comes out and smashes the combine I think he's the number one top winner um, outside of maybe Kenneth Walker well let's talk about him as well um, but let's start with Brees Hall um, I think the only thing he did is kind of cement himself as that first running back taken. First off, I, I know that there are people that are a little bit suspect when it comes to his 40-yard dash time and really uh, the entire running back group's 40-yard dash times because they came in, um, you know, about 0.07 like seconds faster than uh, typical average for the position. Uh, but it's also interesting to note that the guys that ran were collectively on average six to seven, maybe even eight pounds lighter than the typical uh running back group that we see run the 40 in any given class so and they we, were we running saw, downhill yeah yeah but no seriously <laughs> they, they were a lighter group running the 40 so it would make sense that so their results sense, would be sure. actually a little bit faster and and now any anymore most of the time if you know you're going to run a bad time you just don't run it so we're going to see this average yeah some yes yeah, we'll get to him but seriously <laughs> but Brees Hall 439 as it is official uh, that's, that's, that's like 94th percentile Great. crazy through the roof 40 inch vertical 10 foot six broad jump like he everywhere his explosion score through the roof his his 40 yard dash time incredible at his size 217 pounds so I mean we kind of all all knew he was way more athletic than, um, you know, a for, another former Iowa State running back in Dave Montgomery. And Dave Montgomery right. had second-round draft capital. And and then, you know, we, we knew Hall was going to test better than him. We didn't know how much better than him. But, man, like, I don't know mm-hmm. what people were thinking not ranking Reese Hall very highly. And just going to call out the draft network, draft network right now because they had him, like, in the 140s range when they originally released their draft coverage. And it was funny. Actually, I DM them. I was like, hey, guys, I just, you know, love the work you guys do and all your ranks are solid. But you have Reese Hall behind Hassan Haskins and or something. I I said, yeah, it was like something about his range of where he was. And then like two days later, he was in around pick 90 or something. And I think he's slowly but surely climbing now as they're realizing, oh, wait, yeah, he's clearly the running back one in this class and always was. So, so you do you agree with me, or you believe also? Not trying to get you to anyway. Um, Brees Hall's RB one. Yeah, I think there's and and there's not really a conversation to be had at this yeah. point, in my opinion. I, I know that people who are uh, late to the party want to jump in on but no, Kenneth Kenneth Walker's the guy. That's that's fine. Um, I just I just vehemently disagree. Um, with, Yet, with that take. Kenneth Walker also was a standout at the draft, posting just an obscene time. Um, I think he helps himself immensely um, in the combine. And again, like I'm a, I'm more of a, I'm more of a college production guy than a, than a combine guy, which 
I usually like the flash and sizzle. So I know it's surprising for, for me, but man, Kenneth Walker, he had a great season as well. So, so fantastic, but man, he, uh, he was just electric running uh, a sub four, four forty, and um, really showing that maybe we should be thinking about him in uh, the, the conversation for maybe the number two or number three running back off the board. Yeah. And I think at this point, Kenneth Walker's most people's uh, two, uh, if not three, I think I don't, I don't think I've seen anybody with Kenneth Walker below three. And I think that's fair. I just think that there's a, a clear gap between him and hall. Uh, there has been mm-hmm. for a while, um, but I do like many things about Kenneth Walker. Um, you know, he doesn't have a very long <laughs> receiving resume in college. I had somebody actually point out, and I was aware of this, uh, he and Jerome Ford were actually very good receivers in high school uh, and then right. weren't, very, weren't used very much in college. Um, and that's great, but I, it's, think- it's way different catching a ball from somebody in high school versus an NFL passer. And so the, it's going to be a little bit of a learning curve for him. I, I could see him growing into a receiving role. There, yeah, But I think yep. year one impact as a receiver, um, the, the floor is lower for Kenneth Walker for fantasy purposes, just automatically. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point. It's not that he doesn't have the potential to be a great receiving running back. It's that it has, he hasn't been asked to do that. And so he hasn't done it. And even though he might be great at it, it might take some time to become acquainted with that. And I think the system where he ends up in is going to be huge for that. Yeah. Um, But he has shown the ability in college at least to mm-hmm. still put up high production, high touchdown totals without being a part of the passing game. So if if he can add the element of receiving, which it, it looks like he can, and even in the drills, it looked like he was doing just fine. Um, he could be an absolute, absolute yep. um, killer as a three down back. Yep. And so, yeah, that, that's why he's still, you know, running back two right now, I think for me. And so, you know, four, three, eight in the 40 at 211 pounds is not bad at all, by the way. Right. Like that's one of the and, we've, and we and the tape showed it. Like when you mm-hmm. watched Michigan State this year, you would yep. see him break away, and you he wouldn't he he's not a Chris Carson that gets caught from behind after busting through the line. Like no, nope. he is he gets that separation and then he builds on it. Yeah, and, and like, one of the, one of the fun things about him and a few of the other running backs in the class near the top, like he leads. There's a stat I call it improv percentage the percentage of the time that you bounce it outside of the intended blocked gap. Um, and, I, and I basically, I, I checked this against my own charting, uh, PFF's numbers and Sports Info Solutions numbers, just to get a, a general idea of how often uh, a player actually kicks it outside of the intended blocking gap, regardless of whether it's zone or whether it's uh, whether it is man, the percentage is held pretty steady, regardless of the base scheme of the offense. And he, he was one of the top, 15 running backs in the entire nation in uh, mm. improv percentages is, is what I'm calling it. And just basically making it up as he's going because it's not there in the blocking. And so th- that's a lot and of fun. He's, like a creative, he's a creative runner, but I'm, I'm not sure analytically it's actually good, but he's up there. So that's fun. Yeah. Well, I was curious what that means, how that would, or if that would translate to the NFL or if it would translate negatively to the NFL where you've got much faster defensive linemen that are able to kind of pick you off yep. when you don't follow your blocking assignment. Um, who are yeah. a couple of other, I mean, we're, we're going real long here on running backs. Who are a couple of other uh, big winners for you in this, in this combine? 
Um, definitely uh, Zamir White because he had the five-star pedigree coming out of high school, but he's, you know, two ACLs later, and uh, we have questions about is he the same player. Um, and he flashed that at times in the running game for Georgia. But to, yeah. to show up and, and run a 4-4 says, hey, guys, uh, you know, I, I used to even be more athletic than this, but I'm still – Four four fast at 214 pounds and have some incredible bursts. He posted the best broad jump among all of the running backs. So that that really helped Zamir White. I think some people had him as a fringe day two back. I think he, regardless of his complete absence in the receiving game as well, sneaks into day two at this point, regardless of what we thought of him before. Talk to me as if I uh, I'm a dumb person. I mean I am, but let's pretend let's pretend <laughs> like I'm not, but pretend that I am. Yes. Why does long, why why does that matter? That particular like why, that seems like a random uh, skill set to have to translate to running back. What does the what does that that mean to you? What Zamir like, jumping? The oh the jumping. I mean like it's just it just speaks yeah. to his burst. Um, I think what it, and really to his balance. Uh, to, to leap 10 feet, eight inches. I mean, two feet I mean it's insane. And, and stop. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's insane. Balance just... And burst. Uh, and that okay. shows up on the tape as well. Um, if you are yeah. a tape nerd, <laughs> but analytically speaking, his profile is pretty gross, uh, but we're going to have to look past that because he's going to get drafted. But the guy I was most, yeah. most excited about though, Rashad white. Um, because oh, yeah. I mean, I, I had him you. ranked as my running back. I, I think at some point I had him running back three throughout the process, but I, I settled in on like running back four, uh, I think right before the combine. And um, he just lived up to every expectation and uh, just really showed out. He showed up to, you know, at 214 pounds. I was hoping he'd show up around that and then got under four five in the 40 and then killed it in the burst drills as well. The explosion score uh, through the roof. So he really had a top two or three combine among all running backs. And so I think – I think you're probably probably doing it wrong if you have him outside of your top five running backs. I thought that before, but especially at this point, uh, the guy's going to get day two capital at this point. He was he was the best, if not you know maybe second best receiving back in the entire nation last year, and then also one of the most elusive runners. And he's got feature back size now, and he's got this, and he's got the athleticism. So I don't know what would be wrong with Rashad White. I don't know what would make him drop in the NFL draft at this point. Yeah, no, and I, and I love it because you've been talking about him for a while now, uh, well over a year. So I, I think that's really exciting. Um, now we've talked about four different running backs now, and, and, and typically you don't really see uh, more than four super relevant as far as early production, um, rookie production um, after the draft. Like it's those top yep. four guys, or not, maybe not even the top four guys, but – there are four guys that become relevant based on skill and location. Um, so, so I, I think that's great. You did have another guy that you wanted to talk about in Pierre strong. Yeah. Um, another Just dude one that like him really. <laughs> yeah. I hadn't heard much about him before the draft. So the fact that we're talking about him now is already a big deal. Yeah. He, you know, so not draft combine. Sorry. Yeah. South Dakota state had over 1800 yards from scrimmage, got a decent bowl invite Four three seven in the 40 94th percentile freak score here at road of uh, and 207 is wow. a little bit light uh, to expect him to feature, but he's going to get drafted now. And so even though he's an FCS player, FCS running back, we've seen FCS running backs get hyped before, uh, but not be this level of elite athlete in most cases. 
and and then have the production to back it up. So he's probably going to get drafted. I'm not sure how high, probably early day three. So he could actually wiggle his way into a 1B role early on. Right. And, and I think it's interesting too, like outside of those top four running backs, regardless of, I don't think, it ma- I don't think the round matters anymore for running back as much as are you the first, second, third, fourth. Um, to me, after that fourth, like it's all a crap shoot anyway. So if he finds his way onto a roster, he can find playing time regardless of if it's in the fourth round or the seventh round. Like yeah. at that point, it, it, it doesn't seem like it, it matters quite as much. So I will a bit say of a- what, what, cause we, I don't want to completely dismiss Isaiah Spiller. I don't know what to do uh, with him just yet. I mean, I don't want to really move him at all given that he was quote unquote injured, uh, I guess, you know, right, right. for the combine, but then he pushed through and did terrible in the jumps and didn't do his 40. So, What's what was your reaction to to Spiller kind of sitting out slash not sitting out? Complete honesty, man. Um, the combine is so much about who overperforms and who underperforms. Um, the people who just kind of do what they're supposed to do are fine, but like the people we're talking about is like, oh my god, Brees Hall solidified himself. Kenneth Walker like ran so fast, like he's running up draft boards. When you don't show up and you don't play like, like he's forgotten. Like it's, it's such a bad thing. Um, it's, it's just as bad as who we're going to talk about soon with our, with a, the bad performances. To me, it's just as bad of an indictment as what we saw for, for Kyron. Like it is a problem to me that he didn't produce because these other guys just leapfrogged him. And I'm not exactly sure where this leads him. I think he's going to have to have a stellar pro day in order to be able to redeem himself. And even that might not be enough. Yeah. I mean, he was in the running back one in conversation and I'm not saying he can't be now. Um, it's just, it's just a little odd how, how it happened, you know? Cause like if yeah. you're, if you're hurt, don't like you're, you're, you're going to be competing against the best athletes of all time at your position. Yes. Don't force it and do the jumps and just embarrass yourself. And then afterwards yeah. be like, Oh yeah, I'm hurt. Um, so I don't know. That just, that, that's a, and not a great, not a great look. So yeah. Um, I hope, I hope, I guess, wish for the best for him. Hope he tests like crazy at his pro day and uh, is still a definite top three running back in the class. Uh, I think that's definitely in the cards. But right now, I think it's for me still Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, and then, you know, Isaiah Spillers, you know, somewhere in the mix. But beyond that. Yeah, see, I think he drops to, I, I think he drops behind, <clears throat> I think he drops behind um, Rashad White. Yeah, I love, I love that you said that and I didn't because I didn't want to sound yeah. crazy. But that's <laughs> no, no, I do. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, even if you think about like the last couple of years, the the it's not always been like the first the first running back's not always surprising. But there's always, I mean, Clyde Edwards Hilaire was the first running back taken. That took us all by surprise. Like like people are gonna reach for the guy that they want. No one is gonna reach for Isaiah Spiller at this point. Like yeah. no one's reaching for him. So if no one's reaching for him, there's going to be other guys that just pop up ahead of him. I wouldn't be surprised to see him fall. Yeah. Yep. Wish for the, wish for the best though. Cause uh, his dad's probably listening and he'll find us. I think Isaiah Spiller um, is going to have an amazing pro day. He's going to launch himself into yes. the first round. I you think he's going to be a top 20. I think he'd be a top 28 pick. Yeah, you got that, Fred? Yeah, we fixed it. We fixed it. Anyway, Kyron Williams, he's dead. Um, yeah, four six five after they rounded up. And uh, 
at 194 pounds. That was like a bottom 10 speed score uh, of all time. And, um, and so he doesn't have size. He doesn't have speed. He doesn't have burst. Um, okay, cool. Great. Um, solid. He's a great pass blocker. He, that's that's Nito. Uh, he was a really he good receiving have, back. He does have production, though. He does. He so, does have fun production, and I wanted to root for him. I was I was hoping so he would be more mean? athletic. What does this mean? Do you like? I know he's dead to you. Do you think he's dead to some uh, to a team drafting? No. So here's the thing. He's not dead to me. But what I think this probably just I, I mean I, his, I see it on my screen. Yeah, <laughs> is dead to me. Yeah, it's just frustrating because it's like, dude, you just killed your draft stock by two or three yeah. rounds. Um, crazy. And so. That's how much I mean, like for me, like when I'm speaking as to, you know, these guys really disappointing, it's it's really what uh, I believe what uh, this affects their draft capital, because that's going to speak mm-hmm. to their overall opportunity. And so he just took his rookie season, crumpled it up, lit it on fire and then threw it into a trash can because um, he's probably not going to do much in year one. And he's probably going to have to scrap to even make a roster now, which is yeah really sad. But uh, he's probably he probably becomes a third round rookie pick uh, at this point. I've got a, I've got too much, too many shares. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, shares. other list yeah. of guys who are also gone. CJ Verdell uh, came in undersized and is also unathletic. Uh, it's crazy that he was, you know, two years ago, back to back 1300 yard seasons and looked really electric and fast. And mm. he's just, you know, struggled with injury I, and not the same guy. Really. Can expensive. I say I told you so? Am I allowed to say I told you so? I mean, I, I believed you, I, but yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, Travis Dye clearly, clearly looked better than him. Um, and he's, yeah, he's gone. He's an undrafted free agent probably now. And Zonovan Bam Knight, you know what? Also probably a, uh, undrafted free agent, maybe late day three kind of pick at best. Um, I don't think anything peaked above like the 38th percentile as far like athletically in that he did. So pretty terrible. Um, what, like didn't slow, he, not, not he even had another jumps. year of eligibility, didn't he? Yeah, and, and I didn't understand. And now he's going to go undrafted. It's it's really sad. It's it's a real bummer. It's yeah, because I feel for these guys, man. Like I really do. Yeah, because I mean, his running back dominator never peaked even above forty percent because he's splitting time with Ricky Person there. Um, and so I don't know. I don't know why he came out early, but uh, yeah, I wish now, given the, the state of college football, players that just you know test poorly or whatever happens. They're like, you know, they don't go draft. I wish they could return to school. That would be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and he would be one that should. Sincere McCormick just killed his career as well, testing terribly um, at, at being small and running a 4-6 coming from a G5 school, regardless of the fact that he racked up 4,500 yards from scrimmage in three seasons at UTSA. Um, that's not a great combination athletically, you know, testing around 4-6 at 205 yeah. pounds and not doing much else either and ronnie rivers fresno state five thousand yards from scrimmage again but testing terribly at a small 195 pounds is not going to do it so uh yeah probably late late day three if at best for those guys yeah well let's take a quick break and then on the other side we'll jump into um the wide receiver and tight end we'll be back with you in just about two minutes We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, we're back. Let's get into the wide receiver position. Um, some of the guys that we kind of project to be a super high draft picks or, or did uh, maybe didn't fall out as much as we hoped. And then some guys that uh, honestly uh, we don't know. Well, I should say I didn't know a whole lot about uh, ended up in your article <laughs> that, yeah. that, that is on, on Rotoviz. So I am excited to talk to you about, about some of these guys again, uh, head over to Rotoviz and just find Travis's um, articles on the NFL combine. There's a lot of great data um, in there, you can see a lot of their percentiles on the different, um, what is the word I am looking for? The different workout event. explorer. Is that, yes. Um, I've got the Olympics in mind. Um, yeah. So, uh, but you can really uh, dive into a lot of those um, with Travis. When you look at those articles, uh, definitely recommend it. Um, so, so what was your overall feel? Like you talked about how the running backs just tested absolutely fantastically on the whole, as far as faster, Obviously, we just got talking, got, got done talking about some of the guys that struggled. Uh, what was your overall takeaway with the wide receiver position? And then who are some guys that specifically really jumped out? I think a lot of the talk had to do with um, the, the peak guys, uh, you know, running crazy fast 40s. But if you look at the collective class as a whole, they were not nearly as fast, like by historical comparisons as the running back group was. Um, like they were only, I think, two one hundredths of a second faster than historical average collectively. So it wasn't crazy. Um, uh, it, you know, so I think a lot of people overreacted to that, especially like when the unofficial times were like four, two, six for Olave, four, two, one for Taquan Thornton. But then when the officials came in, it was like, okay, it wasn't as insane as we thought it was, but right. Christian Watson, North Dakota state, um, he's he's going to be rising every uh, of everyone's board. He was already doing that after the Senior Bowl, but uh, coming in at 6'4", 208 pounds, and running four three six, uh, yeah, that's going to turn some heads in the NFL. And uh, having you know the, the jumps to just leap through the roof as well, uh, and being like as flexible as he is at six four, and like two ten, like that's 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 not normal. Uh, yes, he's an FCS right. guy, suspect. Um, production profile at best uh, coming out of North Dakota State, by the way. 
Uh, but he's kind of a, a vertical threat with great size. Uh, so he's probably going to be a second round rookie pick. Yeah. Um, obviously landing spot matters so much, but uh, where do you think he should be drafted? Where do you think he will be drafted in the NFL? I think at this, at this point, worst case is third round and uh, he could go higher than that. And do you think that's the right call? I think it is. I think uh, third round would be the sweet spot for for me because it, it's at that point where um, you know you might have an imperfect production profile. Like if we, if we look at, at historic selections and uh, we see guys in that round that are crazy, insane athletes, but might have some holes in their production profile, or vice versa, they, they might have a, a, a fantastic production profile, but then fail miserably athletically. A la you know uh, David Bell uh, that we'll get right. to here shortly. Um, <laughs> And so I think that's probably that's the sweet spot for him. I think if he goes earlier than that, and he might, a team is just reaching for the potential. Right. It kind of reminds me of what like the Chargers did last year with the with a Josh Palmer. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah, I, I could see someone do that again. It only takes one team to be like, oh my god, did you see that? We could make him, um, you know, Mike Evans, DK Metcalf, whomever it might be. Although he's real fast another dude who's freaking crazy fast is um is our boy calvin austin dude made the reason i love calvin austin is he had that crazy i afraid it was a punt return or kick return touchdown that like wasn't actually supposed to be uh because they it was like an eat something illegal happened on the play oh I don't even against mississippi what. state yeah. yeah and he ran it back for a touchdown and i had i had bet uh memphis that day and so i love calvin austin. <laughs> i love calvin austin That's awesome. um so i was really excited to see that uh he had just a great day dude's not big but man he can fly yeah i mean he's not even he's a shade under five eight uh, i mean he's my height <laughs> and 170 and uh he needed badly needed to test the way that he did and came in and ran, yeah. ran a four three two 39 inches in the vertical at 5'8". What? What? Yeah, he, can, he can jump higher than himself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, he the like dude can high jump. <laughs> yeah, he could easily high jump himself for sure. Uh, and then, you know. That's so great. Seriously. And then, you know, even even having the best agility score um, in the group, like, that's that's great. So he needed to he's test Tyreek, exactly. Right? Well, yeah. No, he's not. But, he, he, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, we can we can hope. But he needed that to have any hope at day two draft capital. And he just might get it now. So bravo to him. But it is funny. He's 38 pounds lighter than Christian Watson and beat him by four one hundredths of a second in the 40. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's nuts. That's really crazy. I, I love that. I love that kind of stuff. That's that's so crazy. I mean, we uh, we talked about um, we talked about Desmond Ritter earlier. Uh, one of his go to targets. um over the past few years has been Alec Pierce, a wide receiver, Cincinnati, obviously. Uh, he, he, he helped himself with his uh, production here in the, in the combine. Uh, what do you think this means for him? And a guy that, you know, I don't, I don't remember having talked about him once this year. And that could be because I have a terrible memory because I'm a very old man um, having hit 40 this year. So uh, talk to me a little bit about, about him. Uh, Not about well, me being old. <laughs> mainly, uh, we, we might know him for being an automatic fade in college football DFS uh, because, <laughs> because Cincinnati oh. doesn't ever, they'd never pass enough. And yet his price was always above 6,500 for no reason. 
but you know, it, it smashed like twice. And so that paid out for the people that had bad process. But anyway, I digress. Um, the guy had like a 32nd percentile adjusted production index uh, for Cincinnati. So pretty terrible production profile uh, from basically every single angle. Um, you know, he had some wow plays, uh, had some good high peak, you know, like peaking and catching the ball high. Uh, great. Bravo, whatever. Uh, he tested really well athletically, though, verifying that we already knew that he was a really fast, big, athletic wide receiver. And that's cool. Mm -hmm. But um, I just don't think I, I don't think he, he has virtually anything going for him that says, hey, uh, I deserve to be a day two or better wide receiver. I think he's probably going to be around four pick that uh, based off his athleticism uh, gets a look uh, in the Gabriel Davis pick range, like right at the very beginning yeah. of round four. Uh, but I don't yeah. think that there's anything in his profile from a film standpoint or analytical standpoint that says he deserves, you know, day two kind of, kind of capital. I think best case scenario for him is like a Tim Patrick type career. Yeah. Yeah. Where I mean, you and, get and, to fill in and when you do, you can ball out, yep. but you're never going to be the alpha. But when you do get the chance, you'll, you'll produce. Yeah. But, but seriously, great work. I mean, seriously showing up and, and running a four, three, three, at two, yeah, 211 fast. pounds and having the the highest vertical jump out of all the, the wide receivers at 40 and a half inches. <laughs> the dude, he clearly put in work, put in work yeah. to test like this. And then having, you know, I think the, the highest or second highest explosion score. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's great. You know, congratulations. You just made yourself probably about a million bucks. Right, right, yeah. You you did the opposite of what Kyron Williams did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know Spiller did. Um, all right, who who else do you want to talk about here in the wide receiver room um, as far as some winners that you got? Uh, you know what? I mean, I, I liked Kevin Austin back in the day for Notre Dame. He's probably draftable mm -hmm. now. Uh, he tested really well. Uh, didn't do much of anything production-wise uh, there. No. Isaiah Weston, another FCS wide receiver. Has any, has any Notre Dame wide receiver done anything production profile? <laughs> like, no, no. Until, only they, not until they're like only last year. Ends. Yeah, like the last <laughs> year they'll blow up like, Clay, like Claypool did. Uh, Miles yeah. Boykin did. Austin kind of did a little bit down the stretch. But yeah, uh, so he, he might get drafted now. Isaiah Weston, Northern, Northern Iowa, FCS wide receiver as well. Um, he's, he's a much less hyped version. <laughs> of uh christian watson he'll probably get drafted now and then taquan thornton i, I was really hoping he that 421 was going to stick uh then he was going to break john ross's record but running a 428 typically that automatically gets you drafted yeah. if you're sub 43 you're drafted so congratulations to him for guaranteeing himself a draft slot um yeah again baylor wide receiver of course yeah yep baylor you know yeah track guy um Super, super fun to watch, actually. Uh, Baylor, Baylor was kind of a low-key fun team to watch anyway this yeah. year, like with Bohannon and, and company. I, I enjoyed uh, many a Baylor game on, a, on an early Saturday afternoon. Uh, some of these guys, though, um, that you have on kind of like the, the bad performances or disappointing performances are, are, are players who, who we were kind of excited about, players who, who most college football fans, even if they're not on your team, you've heard these names before. Um, guy that I was disappointed to see make your, your, uh, kind of bad or, or, or it sounds harsh to say loser list, but, uh, it was Charleston Rambo. And, uh, we kind of liked him, uh, moving from Oklahoma to Miami and, and getting a lot of work. He had some amazing games. I remember texting with you one day, we both had him in our DFS lineups. 
And, um, and we were like, Oh my God, he did it again. Oh my God, he did it yet again. Like it was over and over again. And uh, I forget how many touchdowns he had that day, but we both made some money on that day. Um, so, so it was kind of disappointing to see his name on, on, on his list. David Bell, who you mentioned earlier, also had, had a rough outing um, at the, at the combine. And then um, Traylon Burks, who, who everyone had at not, I mean, I don't think you and I had him at wide receiver one, um, but he's been a consensus top three wide receiver. Also not a great day. So, so talk to me about some of these guys. Yeah. So Charleston Rambo comes in and sets the record for a single season for receptions and receiving yards at Miami, which is insane given the, the people that they've had come out of Miami at wide receiver, uh, some hall of famers. Name um, one good wide receiver, not name Michael Irvin. <laughs> I'm just uh, Andre Johnson, you know, for starters. <laughs> I, know, I think I, I think that guy was pretty good. Um, yeah. But seriously, you know, great production there in his final season. But at 177 pounds, barely gets under four or six. That's like okay, okay, bud. Yeah, that's well, not I, idea. Yeah, that's yeah. You just killed your stock, and uh, he already had some drop issues coming out of Oklahoma. So that there's there are going to be some red flags that this you know he's around six or seven kind of guy now, so that's that really stinks. David Bell running a four six five forty, oh my gosh, uh, yeah. just just be faster than Kyron Williams, please. <laughs> but uh, he couldn't do it, and so four six five is not quite a death penalty at the wide receiver position, but it is so so close. Uh, so. I think it's around eighth percentile uh, in the forty, which is just atrocious. So, and you want to be close to one hundred, not zero. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Eighth percentile is is bad, <laughs> real, real bad. Yeah, um, do, do you think? Do you think um, if you were able to sell stock at like uh, any Bell stock you had, if you could sell it at like eighty percent of face value, would you be doing it right now? Um, or is it just like a gosh, let's just hope he gets a good landing spot and that his game translates to the NFL, even though his speed is a uh, suspect. If I could get 80% of what he had before the combine, sure. But I don't think you're getting that, no, getting that anywhere. And so I think he's already dropping into the mid second round or beyond, um, in, in rookie drafts. Um, I, I still believe he gets round three capital given his incredible, uh, production at Purdue. Um, despite just in inconvenient circumstances at, at well, putting it nicely uh, there. Yeah. Purdue. But I, I still really like him as a player, you know, had incredible peak production, uh, you know, over 40% dominator rating and posting a top three adjusted production index in the class. So analytically speaking, he checks a lot of boxes, just not the speed, not the overall athleticism uh, as measured at the combine. And I, I just hope it doesn't hurt his stock too much. Traylon Burks, can we just can we just make him a tight end? Like that would be so <laughs> much fun. That'd be so mm. much fun if he was just a tight end. But you know, he, he's a big wide receiver, and he's gonna he's gonna be just fine. Uh, he, you know, he wasn't ever gonna run in the four threes. I, that was never gonna happen. I have no idea who thought that was a thing. But you know, four five five is not bad. In fact, his his um, you know, like just for any wide receiver, by the way, the average forty is four five one historically so running mm -hmm. over a four five is not terrible running over a four five at 225 pounds again not bad at all his speed score was around 105 exactly average coming in you know around 100 so wanted to seem faster but i think on on tape on the field he still pulls away 
from defensive backs. And and when he doesn't, he mosses them anyway. So Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's good stuff right there. I um yeah, I think Traylon Burks is it's an interesting one because um, like you said, it wasn't the best performance, but um, like in your article, like you, you still, you're not saying he's falling outside of the first round. You mm-hmm. still project him to go uh, a first round top, one of the first few receivers names who's called uh, on draft night. Uh, any other, any other d- dudes that you kind of were disappointed in and uh, can kind of maybe cross off your, your list of guys you might be interested in? You know, I, I'm always interested in the FCS guys and, uh, you know, I can't even pronounce this. Dejean, 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 whatever. I've heard it pronounced different ways, even on the combine coverage. Uh, even when I've like tried to look it up and, and see like how the <laughs> announcers at his stadium call it, they call it differently. Anyway, Dixon, Nichols State wide receiver. Um, I was hoping he would test well, just like Isaiah Weston and Christian Watson, and he did not. So he's probably at best a round six or seven guy now. Um, and so that's not, it really stinks for him. Slade Bold, Bolden and uh, Kyle Phillips uh, profile like slot guys, and they both failed miserably athletically. So they both probably fall sixth or seventh round or undrafted to the Patriots, of course. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but they'll become Hall of Fame players. Yes, exactly. But uh, disappointed. I mean, and then a bunch of guys basically, you know, they just hit expectations. And so we didn't talk about them tonight. Like Chris Olave. Great, four three nine. That's about right, what you run. Right. Garrett Wilson, four three eight. Yep, that's it. Yep, that's exactly what you run. George Pickens, congrats, four four seven. We already knew that. Like, I know a lot of people are drooling over these times, and like, but most, I mean, I, I guess they just, you know, this is already, why we had them projected in the first round to begin with. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> like, like they're already just, really good yeah. players. Yes, you did what you're supposed to. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. Totally. Totally understand that. Like they performed as they should to be a first round wide receiver. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's, let's move over to the tight end position and I'm going to throw you a curveball here. I'm going to start with um, not the, the, the number one tight end, but I'm going to start with Matt's cousin or wife's cousin twice removed, something like that. I'm talking about former Oklahoma current SMU alum, Grant Calcaterra. Um, you have written down on the show sheet. He's alive. What is, I would say, what is dead may never die. Uh, but that's the opposite of what you said. I just want to throw a Game of Thrones reference in there. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Grant Calcaterra, you know, I mean, he what? Retired from football? Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. unretired and uh, moved to SMU where he did good things. Uh, he didn't, uh, you know, put up a thousand yards or anything, but he, he was pretty productive for SMU. Uh, it was a great fit. Uh, they love to use their tight ends cre- creatively and uh, kind of a move role, even like a halfback, fullback role. He didn't do that as much, like, not like Kylan Granson did, uh, but you know he was very versatile for them. And then run it ran a uh, four six two, which anything under four seven is fantastic for a tight end. So um, I think he was on the just fringe. Works. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> but I mean, so he he was on the fringe of you know end of day three, but he's probably just seen himself. Uh, you know, may, maybe a round or two boost just by doing what he did. So, Bravo, the guy that we thought was left for dead and actually retired, goes back to school and shows up to the combine and wows. So, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's so great. Yeah, we've got. Um, I mean, you and I's uh, one of our favorite dudes is uh, is is Trey McBride. Um, he did not run, 
Uh, no. Do you think that hurt his draft capital at all? No, I don't, I don't think so. I think, uh, you know, he could only really hurt himself. Like, even if you knew, like, you know, I, I know I can run around a 4-6, but I'm already with the projected tight end one. So even if I run a 4-6, that's not going to help me. And there's going to be guys that are faster. And so if, if I have one more data point that they can compare to someone else and dock me behind them, I don't want to do it. Right. And so right. I don't think he was going to wow with like four or five speed. Uh, that's just not trim, trim McBride. Like he's a tight end that can out physical you. He's actually a decent route runner. He can make one handed catches and uh, he made over 90 catches uh, just last year as being essentially, as I've called him on every show that I've went on before uh, in this, in this draft season, the, he was the Travis Kelsey of college football, except even more dominant. And so, uh, he, he's going to be the tight end one off the boards, most likely. He could How even go. How early do you think he can go? I think he can go as early as uh, pick twenty five ish. Uh, but I, could, yeah. I, I think I, I wouldn't. I would be very surprised if he lasted to pick fifty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's pretty pretty wide range, but uh, you you would project him to go uh, late first, somewhere in the second round. Uh, let's talk about uh, a, a dude from uh, the Pac twelve. Someone that uh, myself and um, the fantasy educator uh, discussed on one of his shows not too long ago, um, and that's Greg Dulcich, uh, tight end from UCLA. He's had a great draft season. Uh, it's Matt Hicks, by the way, the fantasy educator. Sorry, everyone knows that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he's had. I mean, he had. I guess it was at the Senior Bowl. He started getting some hype. Um, you know, he had a great. He had one really efficient, like deep threat kind of usage um, season at UCLA, mostly, you know, intermediate range uh, in terms of his deployment. But he can be a vertical guy and now has, you know, he, ver- he has verified 4.7 speed. Um, it, it is at a lighter weight, you know, just, just over 240. But uh, he showed out in his other drills, like in terms of his broad jump and even being one, one of the more agile tight ends in the group. And so... Yeah, I mean, I think he really helped himself out and could be in the tight end two conversation now. Yeah, uh, and again, like being at um, being the Pac-12, uh, playing for UCLA, uh, he, he was. I, I watched quite quite a bit of him, and um, he's not the most, like you said, he's not the most athletic, the fastest, the strongest. He does everything really, really well, um, in in my opinion, and 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 it shows up on tape. It shows up when you watch um, him play. Uh, any other tight ends you want to talk about before we wrap up the show? Johnny Woods uh, was a huge tight end for Virginia. He uh, shed some weight so he could get his 40 time down to 461. Uh, and I think he just uh, probably made himself, you know, a, a, a pretty significant chunk of change. You know, he could be around five type tight end um, and then uh, actually add a little bit more weight back uh, to play right. as a yeah. really, really thick red zone option. And then uh, Chigoziem Okonkwo. Uh, for uh, Maryland, he could be the next kind of Johnny Smith profile uh, that, you know, goes around four or five-ish. And so I think both of them helped them out, uh, helped themselves out quite a bit uh, with how fast they were, how agile they were, uh, just how well they did throughout the entire uh, event. Yeah, that's great. Um, again, like we know, tight ends oftentimes uh, take a little bit of time to, to adjust to the league. And for fantasy production, it, it, it can take a while, but definitely names uh, worth paying attention to, especially like the McBrides and Dulcich. And, and then I, I, I even Calcaterra is just a fun story. <laughs> so, no, I love it, man. Um, 
you've been working like crazy. You've got a lot of stuff going on. What, what's what's next for you? What's coming down? What's coming down the pipe? Well, uh, we the, the team that puts together the Rotoviz Rookie Guide series. Uh, we're actually uh, in the middle of several mock drafts that we're putting together in the guide, updating all of our rankings. Uh, Going to be updating a bunch of our pieces here soon, um, but really the, a bunch of uh, unique uh, pieces just in the works for Volume Three. Uh, a new and improved version of my quarterback predict- predictive model uh, piece will be coming out um, in in that rookie guide series. So if you haven't already gotten that, you can actually get all three editions of the rookie guide still on on the road of his website. So definitely go and do that. That's what I'm going to spend a lot of my time doing, but I'm still cranking out two about two pieces a week for Rotoviz on and just draft content. So a bunch of stuff there right now. Yeah, dude, it's so fun. Like I'm so, I'm so grateful that football season doesn't end for us. Like we get to keep going. We get to keep talking. There's always stuff going on. Um, And uh, yeah, we, we were kind of getting into the throes of of really diving into what this draft is going to look like post combine, uh, see where people, um, moved up, moved down, and then we can kind of try to settle on some consensus and then all be wrong anyway. Yep. <laughs> it will be, it'll be super fun. Uh, but dude, it was, it was good having this conversation. Um, I, I appreciate the amount of time and energy you put into uh, the combine. I think it's great. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, while you guys are still listening, go ahead and take a minute to rate and review the podcast. We really do appreciate it. It means a lot. I know you hear that on every podcast, but the reason why every one of us says it is because it's true. It does help, but we do appreciate it. And of course, uh, we'll be back with you um, next week. I'm not sure what we're going to talk about yet, but it's going to be awesome. And there's going to be, there's still so much to talk about. So uh, we'll get into it. I'm excited to do so. Um, Travis, anything you want to say to our good listeners before we, uh, before we get going here? Nope, I'm about to lose my voice as is. So I <laughs> appreciate okay. you guys doing that. There we go. Yeah, uh, pour one out for Travis, uh, dealing with uh, the, the sick family. Um, yeah, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back with you next week. And uh, in the meantime, enjoy the hockey. And uh, hey, let's go, Broncos. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.